All right, hello church family, how are we today? All right, good. Last hour I asked that question, it was very, very weak. And I laugh because it's ironic that we get like an extra hour of sleep, yet uh, we wake up in mornings like this and we're more sluggish, right? Is that kind of weird? It's kind of an oxymoron that it's a fall back, extra sleep type thing. But uh, welcome, welcome today. My name is Jeff and I'm one of our pastors on our staff. And if this is your first time here, I want to say uh, glad to have you. And can we just do this? Can we welcome everyone, all our first time guests this morning? Good to have you guys today. <clears throat> I shared this last hour that, uh, that we, we have a lot of guests every week here in our church. I don't know if you guys realize this. Maybe you do because you obviously invite your friends every week. But uh, we have a lot of first-time guests every week. On average, I think we're probably 10, 15 first-time guest cards every week. And that's for those of you that actually use those cards. Uh, so we're, we're, we're used to guests. And another thing that I think is ironic about our church is kind of neat is that when we took a survey a year ago, we found out that 54% of our church was not from church. Like, you didn't just show up from another church, you're actually unchurched people, uh, which is kind of awesome for a church, because that's our target. You who are not of church, when we launched this church, we had you in mind. And so we're very grateful for what God's done in the last six years, and so uh, on to today's topic. Today's topic is a uh, probably a unique topic. Uh, at first glance... Um, when I, when I'll, tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to read two passages of, of Scripture, and then we're going to look at a, both those passages, and we're going to kind of ask the self, ourselves this question. Why, do we dis, why is there a disconnect with this passage? All right? So let me dive in, and then we're going to look at why there's possibly a disconnect with this passage, and then look at where that we might find a connection point. Because it's something I think in the top of, topic of today that will be very eye-opening and a major, major uh, avenue for us to have some, some big-time spiritual growth. Um, I'll be honest, um, most of you, whether you know it or not, you show up to a service like this or you go through life with a hunger for God, whether we know it or not. And today's conversation is going to be such that I think we'll walk away from today with an eye-opener of maybe why there's been some, some gaps in that connection in a relationship with God. So uh, let, me, let me show you this real quick. Um, Exodus 20 says this. Uh, in verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall, make, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. All right? Kind of a verse maybe you've heard before. Has anyone, let me, you can be honest, have you ever heard thou shalt have no other gods before me? Anybody ever? All right, that's one of those, like, that's, that's what we call the Ten Commandments, right? You've ever heard of that? God gave Ten Commandments. He passed that down, and we're still using those today as, like, right, wrong, you know, best way to live, not good way to live. All right, let me continue this conversation. And then Deuteronomy 4 says this. <clears throat> Uh, so that you do not become corrupt. All right, so we could actually, those are separate books of the Bible, but we almost could connect those verses. So thou shalt have no other gods before me, and almost continue in that same thought, so that you, be, you, know, you do not become corrupt. And make for yourselves um, an idol, an image, and this is sort of an explanation of what an idol is, and I think this is where, for most of us, the disconnect takes place, and then we're going to try to bridge the gap. <laughs> So an idol is an image 
of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, uh, or like an animal on the earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all their heavenly array, do not be enticed, or I'll throw in the word seduced, into bowing down to them. All right, just let's hit the, ba- the pause button. Does anybody walk around and look at an animal, and does anybody in this room just fall at their knees and go, oh, praise to the armadillo that scurries, anybody, right? So what's so crazy when I look at these Old Testament passages and we bring up this concept of, okay, we're all made to worship something, right? All of us, our hearts naturally go towards something, you know, and we, we see this in Scripture because it says that, um, that, you know, don't be enticed or seduced into bowing down to things and worshiping things. The Lord your God has apportioned, uh, God has given, He has given a portion to everything and everyone, um, stuff, right? So here's what we believe as Christians, and here's what's biblical. We know that God gives us good stuff, right? We, we believe that in Scripture. We believe God, from the from the very beginning of time until now, uh, modeled to us a very sacrificial. Jesus was very sacrificial, gave us his whole life, used, you know, his words or or quoted, you know, many, many times that God loves us, wants us to uh, have great life. I mean, it's all through the pages of Scripture. God wants us to grow. He wants us to have joy, wants us to have peace. And God gives us great stuff, right? Um, everything comes from God, right? I mean, the air that we breathe, the, 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 the eyes that we have, the abilities that we have, the minds that we have, has allowed us and afforded us some pretty cool stuff, as Americans especially. Um, but where, where the rub happens for us is when we think in terms of, of any good thing potentially coming, becoming a supreme thing when it comes to where our, the bulk of our attention and the bulk of our worship goes because God created us to worship. Ultimately, God created us as His creation to, to know and to love and to worship Him. Now, God wired us for that. So we don't always think of our lives in terms of that, but when we are pointing our lives and giving our affection ultimately and supremely to God, that's when all of us, that's when our lives function best, right? That's, that's when things go well. When I'm pursuing God, when I want God to be first in my life, when I, you know, am giving my life over to God's manual for life, His, 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 His Word to us, His Bible, and saying that's the best way to live, that's, you know, my mentality for life, when I realize that this world is going to end and the things of this world will, will, will fade away and I realize you know, this world's really all about God. He's you know, everything. Um, that's when things function well. But for a lot of us, we do not realize how easy it, it, uh, it is for us, for us to take the good things that God's given us and then become the supreme things in our life and for our lives to be ultimately seduced by good stuff that isn't really the stuff that makes all the difference in the world. So uh, here's my question. So if we have these lives that are full of things, how can we be so full with so many things 
and yet still be so unsatisfied in life? All right, so that's the question of today. So when we look at a passage like this, we kind of mock at the Old Testament idols that people idolized. I mean, it's kind of crazy that people would idolize, you know, like a golden calf. Like when Moses went up and he got, got the Ten Commandments, he walked back down and like all the people were worshiping a golden calf. We're like, that's so stupid. You, you people are crazy, right? Those are human beings that did that? None of us can really understand that. But I want to look at today, what are some potential things in our lives that we might have along the way elevated to things that are more important than we ever thought could be? So um, here, here, let me give you an example to kind of, you know, make fun of the Old Testament idols, but also help us see um, what could be some of the idols maybe even true in our life. So uh, I heard a guy one time tell a story about a woman he met in a very rural village in India. So this guy runs into this, this woman in this village, and she's, she's chopping up chickens, right, and worshiping chickens, right? And, and, and he's like, gosh, this is jacked up. I mean, I am in a foreign country. This is like way back, you know, this is like not just foreign. This is like in a village in the middle of nowhere where, I mean, they're doing like old school, what we'd say pagan, you know, worship, right? Like you're like, this, this is weird. And so what's so funny is he's having a conversation. He starts talking to this woman, and he finds out she's, she's been to America, and so he makes conversation. Hey, tell me about what it's, I mean, he's thinking this woman's going to be like so excited to talk to an American. He goes, tell me about America. How awesome was it? And she goes, I'll never go back again. I hate America. Those people are so into their idol worship. <laughs> he's like, what? This is jacked up. Woman's got chickens hanging up places, bowing down to chickens, right? Little skinny leg like nothing, right? What is up with that? Um, and she goes, Yeah. I'll never go back to America. They're so into their, their, their worship, and they worship their stomachs. And he's like, what do you mean they worship their stomachs? Yeah, they're into stomach worship. They have these big buildings that are full of aisles and aisles and aisles of food. Everywhere and everywhere you turn, there's a, on a corner, there's another place that they can go get food. They're, they're all overweight. They're all obese. That's what she said, okay? And so, I mean, she goes on and on and on. And the guy's like, oh, okay, well, you're worshiping the chickens, right? And so, and, he, and she goes, yeah. And then they, they, they do things with their houses. They put these things on the walls. They put things in the middle of the room, and they all turn their chairs into these things, and they all sit together, and they all pay homage, and they all worship these idols. We're just talking about TVs, obviously. And so she goes on and on and on and on, and this guy walks away like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe she's got a point there. So the question really is, is it possible that we've been seduced, elevating good things to be supreme things without even knowing it. We've lifted these things up above God in our own hearts. Is that possible? Is that possible for us? And how potential, how potentially dangerous could this be in us going through life unsuspecting that we've done, that we've elevated those things and we're disconnected in terms with really walking and knowing God? Mark 8.36 says this. It says, and this, this goes back to our very first week's conversation. Let me, let me give you a quick back up. Last week, my, my, little, my younger brother was here, and he talked about our identities in Christ, right? And the week before that, we set the tone and the standard with, with offering up the idea uh, and principle from Scripture 
that we aren't bodies with a soul. God never created us to be supremely and primarily a body with a soul. In fact, God created us to be a soul that just so happens to have, to ha- have, to have a body, right? Because our bodies don't stay with us forever. As, as we understand God's Word, we're created with a soul, and we'll have that soul. That's our soul. That's who we are. We'll have that forever. As Christ followers, we know Jesus is going to come back someday. Good news is we, we ditch the old bodies. We get new ones. The, the soul that we keep forever gets a new body someday. And we're like, yeah, those of us that are over 40 are really pumped about that, right? Those of you guys that are younger, you don't have a clue yet. So, um, so Mark 80, 36 says this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? The reason the soul is so important is because it's the thing that God created to be in con- connection, in deep relationship with him. And he just knew as he created us to have these souls He created us to worship and to be in relationship with Him. He knew that there would always be things that would compete for our satisfaction. But isn't it true that many of us, we're full of all kinds of stuff, but yet we're still so unsatisfied? So how can that be? How can that be? So let me do this. Let me me ask you some questions. We'll dive into this conversation further. But let me ask you this, and if you want to jot some notes, I'm going to give you three things this morning based on this question. How do we dethrone the false idols of our, of our soul, right? How do we dethrone the false idols of our soul, right? Kind of sounds kooky until you put all this in context, but how do we do that? First thing is this. We've got to ad- first identify what idols we have, right? All right, let me, let me stage this question with Psalms 24. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who, who gets to be near God? Who may stand in the holy place, right? Who's, who's got that tr- type of deep-rooted, like, connection with God? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And, let's go on, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god or lift up his soul to an idol? So, first, we've got to identify what idols might we have in our life. So, let me ask you this question. What do you think could take up, and, and here's how I think we've got to look at this. What do you think that takes up in your life the most time, your most money, the most of your money, and the bulk of your conversation? I think we have to ask those three questions to start identifying where are your potential idols? Where does your time, your money, and the bulk of your conversations, where does it go and what does it revolve around? Let, let me tell you a, a personal example. Christy and I, um, we moved to Columbus after selling everything we had, uh, you know, planted a church in Atlanta, and then moving to Columbus, um, you know, starting over from scratch, basically launching a church from scratch, not a, not a real job, not a, not a real salary, you know, for, for a pretty good long while. Um, so we moved to Columbus. We lived in an apartment for a while. And then we moved to another rented house that had, like, crazy roach infestation down uh, um, Lake Bottom area and also had black mold. And so the guy gave us back all our money that we spent on living there because found out there was black mold and we like all were going to the doctor sneezing and coughing and like, what's going on? Figured out black mold. So, so finally we rented houses, rented houses. Finally we bought some land and over a couple of years, period of time, we built a house. So during that time that we were building our house, can I tell you 
that, that this became true of Christy and I. The bulk of our time, our money, and our conversation revolved around that house. It consumed us for a pretty good while. Looking back, we, we laugh, we talk about, do you remember the, the countless hours we spent researching, like, light fixtures? Like, glass, metal, plastic. Like, the amount of time, and realistically, like, it's kind of funny, we laugh about it, like, the amount of time we put into researching microwaves, you know, stove tops. The amount of time, and, and, and what's so funny is I, Christy makes fun of me because I, it doesn't matter what it is, I like to go seek out and find something. I like to hunt something. She says, you baby, you're always, you're always hunting something. I love the outdoors. I'm dreaming about the, wa- the weather getting a little cooler, you know, to get out and go hunting, you know, and get, and get out outdoors. But what's so funny is I spent so much hours on Craigslist researching, like, I'm gonna, baby, I'll find the greatest, best deal. I mean, we found scratch and dent. We bought used stuff. I mean, we bought couches. I mean, I drove to Atlanta. I mean, it was, it was kind of, we were very lopsided. We were consumed with something that God gave us as a good thing, but given time, we can honestly say that it was becoming supreme in our hearts because it was the, where our, the most of my energy was spent, most of my, my thinking, my time, my, my money, my resources. Now, that's, that's an example. Now, we, we know we're Americans. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. God's blessed us with houses. But I'm talking about today, what I want to ask us to do today is, is something that we could either take and be um, very, very, um, um, when, I, when I grew up in, 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 a, in a custom and a culture when I was younger, things could be very much, I'm looking for a word, um, very um, just, just overly religious for religious sake. You know, like trying to look good, but really wasn't what was going on in your heart. Um, and, and so I grew up in some of those circles where it was like, you know what, you get rid of all that bad stuff, right? And, and that, that, that can be some kind of weird extreme stuff. What I'll talk to you about today is God gives us good things. God wants us to have good things. But any time a good thing takes over and becomes number one in your life, it can become a bad thing. And that's when we got to evaluate, is this something that's just consuming, all-consuming for me? Um, example, maybe, uh, maybe your physical, uh, being physically attractive is something that could consume you, right? I mean, Lord knows some of you spend some time looking in your mirror, right? And that's a good thing. I applaud that. I applaud good hygiene. I applaud getting a haircut every now and then. I, I applaud, you know, here's a little bear scene. My youngest daughter... Every now and then, it's like I get my, my youngest daughter, and she goes and makes sure that there's no hair hanging out of my ears, right? She'll get the little tweezers like daddy. I'm like, Ash, I feel some stubble. I don't, I don't want to be one of the old guys with like a bush out my ear, all right? So if you ever notice, I got, I got clean ears. I got no bush out of my ears. Uh-uh. So, I mean, that's a good thing, right? So, but I mean, sometimes our physical attractiveness can be our God. I mean, I know people that can be so crazy consumed. I remember, you know, going to the gym, and this guy, you know, he's just, like, looking at the mirror like, I love me, <laughs> right? And you've seen people like that. We're laughing, but, I mean, how often can people be consumed with a good thing that becomes a bad thing? Um, I, I, I can say that for some of us, maybe your online identity can be dysfunctional. 
I, I, I laugh, and, and I, I'm not trying to step on toes, but, you know, nowadays, I mean, there's some dysfunction with this phone we have, right? There's some, there's some like, you know, weirdness. I love seeing it, how it works today. You'll have people like, you know, I'm just making fun of our, you know, our teenagers these days. But they can have the phone. They can be walking up, getting near to the person that they're chatting with, talking with. And it's like just the thumbs going 100 miles an hour. And then once you're within, there must be this like a spoken. Once once you're within three feet, then you put your phone down and you talk. Then once you start backing away three feet, man, you're you're, you're walking off. You're still talking to that person. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we've got to look at this from a standpoint of we can be so consumed with so many things that are good things that, beca- that can become supreme things in our life. Um, how about um, our conversations? I- I- I'll be honest, there are times that I, I'm, I'm guilty as charged talking about myself. Anytime your conversation drifts and you end up you know, becoming a habit and you find yourself talking about yourself more than anybody else, Chances are you have become your own little personal God. So, I mean, there's, there's ways that this happens. Uh, let me be honest. I, I would say um, in my lifetime, looking back over areas that maybe have become idols in my life, some areas that were good things that became supreme things, something I idolized was I idolized the opinions of others. Being a young pastor, starting out, preaching my first messages, I remember walking around going like, hey, what would you think? Talking to some leaders in the church. Hey, what do you think about that message? Did I say it right? Did, 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 you, did it connect? Was that a good point? And I, I, I remember just, you know, wanting people to like me, you know. And good, good, good thing is you beat that out of me. Um, now, after years of being a pastor and realizing that everybody's got an opinion, you know, I can't live for the, the opinions of people. I've got to live for the opinion of God. And so that's a good thing. So I, I've had a lot of that beat out of me. Thank you very much for you guys that have helped me with that. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I also would say another false idol for me, uh, a place that, you know, I tried to derive some sense of security was the false sense of, of security of what I had saved up or thinking a certain amount was enough for our family. And uh, I would say, you know, there's been times in my life where I have been extremely generous, and I felt like that wasn't an issue for me, but I would say in my later years, this has been something that my wife would say, Jeff, you know, you've always been like the most generous person in my life, you know, but as time has gone on, we have more kids, you know, um, life becomes more seemingly like more important with getting ready to, you know, maybe 20 years retire, 30 years, whatever, kids going off to college. I have put more stock into security in what we've saved up rather than my security being in God. Now, those are, some just, those are just some examples. And so what I want to do today is, is we, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up here in the next 10 minutes. Today's not going to have a here's yours, go home and, and stop it. What I want you to do today is I want you to look at your own life. And I want you to ask God, God, God what are some areas? I want you to pray. I want you to have a conversation with God and even, and even maybe some conversations with people around you who know you and love you because it is hardest to see in your own life. Just like the lady with the chickens. She had no clue that she was worshiping chickens, but she could see Americans were worshiping something. It's very hard for us to see it ourselves. So I, my hope today is that when we close and we dismiss, 
that you would go home and you'd have an honest conversation with God and say, God, what is, what are the areas of my life that I might be elevating something that's good into, into where you should be in my life? And, and have a conversation with somebody else, perhaps. And then secondly, after we identify our idols, the second thing we've got to do is we've got to tear those idols down. Not manage them, not manage those idols, but tear them down. Let me show you this in Scripture. Judges 6.25 says, That same night the Lord said to him, speaking to a guy named Gideon, um, I want you to take the second bull from your father's herd, and the, the one that's seven years old, I want you to tear it down. Tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. God doesn't necessarily want us just to find out what is taking his place and just manage it better. Instead, I see in Scripture, God wants us to tear it down. He told Gideon to go to get some of his dad's stuff and some of the problems they were having in their camp, tear it down and cut it down. That means, like, you got to just strip it away. When you recognize something's becoming first place where God's supposed to be first place, Scripture says, get rid of it. God doesn't want us to manage it. He wants us to kind of get strong with this and just say, I'm going to nip this in the bud. I'm going to get rid of this. Story. Um, I years ago had a conversation with a guy. um, I'm going to say it's not in our church. wasn't even in our city, not even a person from our city. But a guy who I ran into and was just going on and on and on about his wealth. Met this guy, and he was just telling me, like, I have just, I've flat just made it. Like, I am, I am just so rich. I have so much wealth. I've amassed so much stuff. Man, I've got it all. And so this guy goes on and on and on and on. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, just kind of just thinking, like, this guy, is sure, he's, he is, he's pretty big-headed. He is so proud of what he's done. So I, I, I just decided to ask him some questions. And so I said, man, with all that wealth, I bet you have some incredible charities that you give to. And he says, no, no charities for me. Not into those charities. Well, our, so I, I began to ask questions, and I'm like, all right, I find out that this guy's a Christian. And so I say, hey, so I bet you, if you don't have charities, maybe you are very generous with your church. He's like, nope, not into the giving thing. And I'm like, so you're not into charities, you're not into being generous. What do you do with your stuff? He's like, I, I, I take care of me. And I'm like, all right, this, is, this guy is just like so obviously like lopsided. And so we, we bang that around a little bit, and I say, so what is it this, what, how come you are so into just your stuff, your stuff, your stuff? And he's like, I love my stuff, I love my money, and I don't want anybody touching it. And what happened in the next five years, looking back, I know of this guy. He's lost his wife. His kids have basically hated him. He's lost his job, and he's lost all his stuff. And, I, and I, I look at that lesson, and I ask the question again. I look at that story, and I ask this for us to be, you know, just an eye-opener for us. We wonder why our lives are so full, but our souls are so empty. And I just think it's, it's, it's something for us as Americans that we, we can allow our stuff to consume us. And let me just say this very, very clearly again. God's not against us having good stuff. God's not against us having things. He just doesn't want things to have us. And I think that's the whole point. And no one can know that for you. That's a you and God thing. That's a you and your stuff thing. That's a you to really evaluate and say, does my stuff have me or do I have my stuff? 
Am I elevating anything in my life to be in the place where I'm worshiping it? Where it has my, the bulk of my time, the bulk of my attention, the bulk of my conversation, the bulk of my money. Is that happening to me? And if it is, Scripture says, tear it down. Like, you got to nip it in its bud. So, let me give you a, let me give you a personal one. Uh, and in the last six years, you know, our church launched and it exploded with growth. Very first Sunday, we had 600 and some people. Um, so, you know, and, and our staff is young, limited on staff, and we're, we take off as a church. Uh, before we launched the church, I, I, was a, I was a blogger. Never good at blogging. In fact, I've quit blogging because I wasn't good at it. But the blogging turned into, but I've got to keep up with the church. We've got to continue to talk about what's going on in the church. So Facebook was a method. And if any of you guys have ever leveraged Facebook for business or, you know, for other purposes, uh, you know, that's what I was doing as a pastor. I was making sure people were up with what was going on with our family, making sure, you know, as we launch this church, people don't see us as one of those other kinds of pastors that are weird or, or you know, just like awkward or, you know, a hater or whatever. People have wrong thoughts about churches. We didn't want that for our church. So, man, I was on Facebook. I was leveraging this thing. But I tell you what, it consumed me. It was consuming. And with a church our size, with that kind of growth, growth, I, I mean, it was like I'm one of the earliest generations of the church being in my pocket. And so over time, I got to the place where I said, I don't care about likes. <laughs> I don't care about how many friends. Those things aren't important to me. What is important is, is my relationship with God. It, what's important is my relationship with my family. And over time, that Facebook thing, the Instagram thing, cut it off. So in the last year and a half, maybe two years, starting with Facebook, I've just cut those things out. I've just tore those things down. They became all-consuming for me. And I'm not a Facebook person. I don't even, I mean, I don't even get into, like my wife, they, they love the pictures. They, they, they keep up with that stuff. I wasn't even one of those people. But it became something that was consuming, and I said, I've got to get rid of it. So I cut it. Does that sound weird? It's a little, kook, little bit kooky, right? But it was something I knew I had to do. So the question is, what is it for you? We had a guy um, stay with us three weeks ago. Super awesome, stud, cool guy. Um, played college sports. Um, dad was a professional um, football coach. Um, just neat guy, he and his wife. And um, we're sitting there, we're talk, talking with him. We're watching football Sunday night at my house, having dinner, hanging out. And um, he's like, man, it's been a while since I've just sat down and just really watched TV. So I'm like, I'm t- listening to him. And I'm like, do you not watch TV very much? Um, and he's like, no, whenever I get a chance, I do. But I just, I don't, I don't have one in my home right now. I'm like, weirdo, crazy man, no TV. What's, ja- what, you know, why is this guy jacked up? And, I, and I'm listening to this guy. And I'm thinking, he's not jacked up. He just, he's like, you know what? There was a period of time. He said, I was consumed. And I'm a, I'm a young dad. I'm young in my marriage, got a baby on the way. I was a sports ESPN crazy fanatic where it was consuming me. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not that athletic. <laughs> I, I, I'm not consumed with the sports like he was. But he said, I got rid of my TV. Now, I'm having a blast watching it today. I'm like, you going to get one? Because I can help you. We'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work on a TV. I got a friend who's got a pawn shop. We can go find a TV for you. We'll get right right now. You want to go? And so, you know, I'm feeling a little guilty. Like, maybe we watch too much TV. You know, we haven't had the conversation lately. But what is it for you? What is it in your life? And I know this conversation can be jacked up if you go extreme with this. 
We're not going legalistic. That's what I was the word I was searching for before. We're not going to go legalistic with this thing. We this this is a relationship. God wants us to put him first in our lives because it works best. It makes sense because God is a God who satisfies, who gives us joy and who gives us everything. He just doesn't want to take second place to the very gifts he's given us. So the question is what is it for you? Now, the last third point I want to give you this and I'll end is we got to fill our souls with God identify what those idols are tear them down and then fill our fill our lives with God remember we're a soul with a body not a body with a soul let me read you some scripture Psalms uh, 84 2 says my soul yearns even faints for the courts of my Lord my my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God Psalms 107, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This is just how, how uh, David was expressing his love, his admiration, his security, his faithfulness, his just, just desire for God. Psalms 42, 1 and 2, as a deer pants for streams of water, like someone who's so, so thirsty for life, that's how I, I pant for you, God. So my, my soul pants for you, my God. So my, my, my soul thirsts, thirsts for God, for the living God. When I, when I go and meet with God, um, that, that's, that's how it is for me. So I read these verses, and i got to ask this question. Um, do most of you use that kind of language? Do, do I use that kind of language when it comes to God? Honestly, I don't ever think I've used that kind of language for God. But I can probably say there's many, many other times that my soul longs for that new Ford pickup truck. Because they just came out with a different model, right? It's got a different tailgate than mine, right? It's got a, got a better EcoBoost motor with, like, you know, as much power but better gas mileage. My soul yearns for that, Right? So, crazy enough, most of us, we're not using that kind of language for God. We're using that language for all these other, th- other things in life. Things that are gifts from God. And God's going, come on, people, listen. I've given it all for you. I love you with everything. I'm what satisfies. And can I be honest? There, are, there, there's, been, there's been some serious times and effort in my life where I have just said, God, I am, I'm just going to run towards you that I'm at my happiest, most satisfied, complete place. And that, that's when my wife says, baby, you're, you're walking with God, aren't you? You've really been with God, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm, I'm, God and I are tight right now. But we've got, to, we've got to get to a place where we identify those potential idols. We, we, and when we find them, we've got to tear them down. I mean, we're, we're wrestling through... Um, the kids stage right now we've got we got one driving we've got one who's in swimming we got one that's in drama we've got one that's in wrestling we've got another one that's in basketball and that's just three kids and I, I'm probably skipping some stuff right and I'm asking myself the question are we doing a good job of modeling and allowing the model to be what equates and tells my kids what's number one in our life because some of us we can get so busy with stuff that we can miss really doing what's most important. 
and spending time with our God who gives us everything. Let me end with this story. Um, I heard this story one time by a guy named Max Lucado. You guys ever heard of Max Lucado? He's, a, he's an author, writes pretty flowery, nice writing, so I'm going to add a little bit to this just to, to, to make it mine. Um, but Max Lucado writes about this, this story about this fish that someone finds one day on the beach and takes this fish and says, we're, gonna, we're just going to really treat this fish, this fish extra special. We're going to take this fish, and we're going to put this fish up on the beach with us. We're going to bring this fish up on the beach, and we're going to take care of this fish. So they give this fish a nice house and all the money that it wants. So you can imagine the fish on the beach. I mean, he's like got the little gills going like, uh, 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 uh. well, that's, that's, that's doing something else. But he's got, the, he's got the, his little... He's got his little his little little gills going. He's like <laughs> trying to get air. He's got a wad of cash in his mouth. He's trying to breathe. They're like, all right, that's not that's not really a good thing for the fish. Maybe the house and the big wad of cash is not so great. So they say, you know what? We're really going to give this fish everything that it wants. We're going to give this fish a nice Corona. Man, he's on the beach, Corona, and we're going to get a nice little magazine. We're going to let the fish just chill out, have a good time, a little jingle, a little guitar, you know, whatever. Well. The fish is sitting there, and you know the fish, right? It's struggling. Corona's not doing it. The magazine's not doing it. Give the fish everything and everything, and it won't be satisfied on that beach. Why? Why? Because the fish is made for what? Water. See, this is, this is us. God has made us for himself. Bottom line. And anything that we do that becomes first place in our life takes us out of water to where we're like that fish going, I am dying inside. I'm longing for God. We're just like that fish. Fish out of water. My hope and my prayer is that you would look at your own life and only you and God determine Are there areas in my life right now that good things have become supreme things and pushed out God who loves us the most? Let's pray. God, as we we wrap up this conversation, Lord, we just want to say thank you for loving us. Because, God, you, you give us grace. Every time we blow it, you love us unconditionally, God. And, Lord, I just want to ask for your forgiveness, God, because in the midst of this conversation, Lord, I know there needs to be some things that's torn down in my own life. And, Lord, I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want you to know that, that, that I love you, and I want you to be first. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in my heart. God, and I, pr- I pray that for all of us. God, would you help us to identify what is it? That is, that is pushing you out and essentially leaving us unsatisfied, empty. God, I know that you created this life and you set it up, God, in such a way that, that, that all roads essentially would lead us back to you because you are our source of hope, our source of, of satisfaction, of truth, of grace, of, of, of freedom, forgiveness. God, everything that we long for, God, is found in you. Lord, I pray for the many people that perhaps today have empty souls, that they're running on empty, they're running towards stuff that's just creating a continued lack of, lack of hope, lack of satisfaction. 
And I pray that you would help us to take some serious steps of turning things back around towards you. God, we just, we want to submit our lives to you today. We want to be fully surrendered. God, we want to use our lives and the story of our lives and leverage everything that you've given us to worship you. God, let us be an example and a model to everyone, every person, God, that's outside of these four walls, that are, that's outside your church, that still does not know you. God, let them see us as people who are longing for and chasing after you. We love you, Lord. In your precious name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite our host teams to come forward. We'll close with an offering. And I pray that you'll take time this week to really consider, God, what is it in my life that's taking first place for you? You stand with us.